Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level. A Gal Media property in partnership with Jacob Media, where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. We had a pretty busy weekend, and it all culminated with... Something special going on in golf as we finally get the return of Tiger Woods. I'm looking at the odds right now via DraftKings Sportsbook, and maybe not as high as you would think for a guy as big and as prominent of a name as Tiger making his season debut at Memorial this week. Two interesting storylines that came out from the charity workday open and also Dana White continuing to do special things in sports that should be, at the very least, used as some sort of barometer. We've got NFL news, and Brian Baldinger has set the world on fire, at least here in Philadelphia, with a tweet that has gone viral, that has gone national, that people are following now, looking at it intently, trying to figure out where that splash is going to be. As Baldy tweeted out yesterday morning, that would be Sunday morning, that the Philadelphia Eagles are prepared to make a major splash and get significantly better in mid-July. Well, there are very limited options on which way they can go. Speaking of which, baseball is back, and they seem to be, again, in this little pinch area where they're trying to maneuver and navigate through everything. We've got the NBA bubble. NHL has agreed to start, resume August 1st, after a couple of days of negotiations. Imagine that. Two days of negotiations is all it took for the NHL to just slap down a sign, sealed, and deliver it to make sure that the season can go off. As far as baseball is concerned, well, still dealing with the revolving door of players that are either testing positive or around people who have tested positive versus the opposite, which is guys coming back after being out to 10 days to two weeks. And that's going to be... The reality, I think, moving forward, that baseball teams are really going to try and control. The bubble in the NBA is going to be where a lot of people will focus next. Hockey to a lesser extent, but a lot of talk about what can happen inside that bubble. And, of course, big news maybe in the NFL now. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level, presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. I actually saw this pop up Sunday morning from his own Twitter account. And I'm thinking, well, the NFL just had a huge shot in the arm, especially off-season discussion with the arrival of Cam Newton up in New England. So you had... That signing right there, and rightfully so, takeover and so many people talking about the Patriots step back or not, how much Cam can do with what's around him. It just turned into a good week's worth of content. Now, how much that was stretched out and and how much people got out of it, that's different. But 
it was a pretty big storyline that had a couple of sub things that followed as a result. Now, if in fact there is a big signing or maybe a trade, then it would seem to center around the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, as far as where they can go and who they can pick up, Baldy himself said expect a major splash and the Eagles to get significantly better in mid-July. To me, that does not mean the Philadelphia Eagles are going to re-sign Jason Peters, an old aging tackle, and move him down to guard because they lost a Pro Bowl guard in Brandon Brooks. This is big. This is going to be a big NFL story. It's not just going to be, oh, well, the Eagles signed fill-in-the-blank that a bunch of Eagles fans are going to like and enjoy, and everybody else is going to be like, why are we talking about this? It's going to be clowny. It's going to be Everson Griffin. I don't necessarily think that they're going to make a trade per se. And actually, I can tell you that they're not going to trade for anybody in Jacksonville or New York. So you can put those two names down. But what it does look like now, and this is something that few teams have been able to do successfully and even the Eagles, who have been able to do it at times, Alshon Jeffrey was a great example, is kind of just wait things out, let the market dictate somebody's price. Now, we're also dealing in a crazy offseason where it's not normal. Nothing that we're dealing with is normal. Nothing is along the lines of what we're used to. But that's working to a team's advantage. Everson Griffin and Jadavion Clowney, haven't signed contracts yet because the market that is dictating their value, they don't like. So wait it out. See if you can get somebody who might be a little desperate. Find ways in which you can poke a hole or two into that. It's going to be one of the two players that will be signed by the Eagles. I'm so confident in this that we bumped up John McMullen to today instead of tomorrow. I'm so confident that the Eagles are going to make this splash and it's going to be Jadavion or Everson, and it's going to come cheap. It's going to come in the fashion of a lesser deal where if it's Everson Griffin, who's 32, 33, Clowney, who has had a history of being really, really good or at times kind of absent. It's not going to depend on any of that. The contracts right now are more so, especially as a pass rusher, are more so a result of where we're at right now from a time and place standpoint than it is about trying to work down value for Jadavion Clowney. Now, the thing about where we are and how that works is a guy who will be 27 heading into the season and Clowney still has a ton of value on his legs, if you will still has a bunch of activity left that you could rely on if, in fact, you wanted to sign him to a big deal. And we saw that Clowney himself has interest in signing with the Eagles, said he wants to play with a winner, and that came from John Clayton. He's going to be interested in Philadelphia because one of the things and one of the reasons he turned down Cleveland is because he wants to go to a winning team. He turned down Miami twice because he didn't expect them to be a winning team. Well, I can tell you that it's going to be one of two teams winning the NFC East, and with all the craziness and insecurities surrounding the Dallas Cowboys, you would think 
that the Philadelphia Eagles would be best prepped to walk into the season as the favorites to win that division. But from Clowney to Griffin, two names that are holding out not for more money, but are kind of waiting and seeing how long they can actually hold out if it's with one or two teams to try to get them to leverage against each other, what have you, how long they can physically do this without losing a ton of money. It's really similar to that game show Deal or No Deal, more so than anything else, where if you open up, one of the nice-looking women opens up that briefcase, and it's the million dollars, it's the big one, then you've lost a ton of leverage when it's time to go back to the banker. Banker picks up the phone, makes a phone call, you know, the silhouette of the banker. Howie Mandel's talking. That's the agent. Jadavion Clowney's talking to the banker who happens to be Howie Roseman. And Clowney's like, well, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? Agent turns around like Mandel says, you know, I've got bad news. The offer on the table now has dropped significantly because you picked that million-dollar briefcase off the board. Or you waited an extra month, six weeks, trying to navigate through this crazy offseason, expecting your value to go up. But in fact, still as the biggest free agent on the open market, and you can throw Griffin below him, Clowney hasn't done anything, I would imagine, and I would actually double down and bet that Clowney has done absolutely nothing to improve the market for him. If it happened, he would have already signed a deal. It's not like you have no winning teams pursuing him. I can tell you that there's been interest from Philadelphia for a little bit now, a little bit, to the point where the numbers aren't making sense for the players. And I don't blame Jadavion Clowney necessarily for continuing to hold out and maybe trying to work something where he could get more than a 9 or $10 million this year deal. I don't think it's going to happen in Philadelphia if, in fact, it does. Now, here's where you go back to what Alshon Jeffrey was able to do. Coming from Chicago up and down, there was concern about how great of a, really, like how solid of a wide receiver he can be as opposed to looking at it more so from, is this guy just the best of a crop in Chicago who's going to be more of like a two than a one around better teams and better quarterbacks? So the Eagles came in and they waited. There is a lot of similarities to what's happening now with Clowney as to what happened a couple of years ago with Alshon Jeffrey on the open market. Jeffrey stood in there and said, I'm, I'm going to do it. Let's, let's ride. I'm ready to go. Give me a, a big deal. Whoever's calling with that big money, I'm here. Just hand over the bag, and I'll hand over my signature. And one by one, you start looking around. And th- wait, he's not really getting that money, is he? He's not getting that long-term deal. That's another thing. The long-term security that he was hoping to get. Where is it? Well, it turns out that there wasn't that market for Alshon. But the Eagles came in early. And they said, don't worry, we're not going anywhere. We just can't meet where you want to be. We're not doing anything crazy. We're not going anywhere. It's just we're not going to give in to these high contract demands. We'd love you here. We'd love to see you here, but we just we can't do that. And kind of just maintaining some form of communication. 
So when everything dried up, the well, the market, and all of that dried up, there was nowhere else for Jeffrey to go to where he could really meet the middle of that Venn diagram. To where on the left you have get paid, on the right you have play for a contender, just somebody who can help me get that extra money. So the it was a perfect plan. And I've been critical of Howie Roseman, my team's GM, as much as I've been thankful and grateful, but this one falls on the side of grateful. He played that market to a T to where Jeffrey came back and said, all right, well, you know what? This actually makes the most sense. I'll sign this one-year prove-it deal, and I'll play with a hell of a quarterback in Carson Wentz. That's going to help me at the very least get more money from you. If not, I can leverage on the open market. Fast forward, now we're here with Jadavion. Now we're here with Everson Griffin. I can guarantee you that they don't want to sign a one-year $9 million deal. Griffin probably be lucky to get that clowny. That's probably where he's at right now with his market value. They don't want that. They don't want to be a part of this one-year prove-it deal. But it looks like that's where we're heading. It looks like that's the direction in which we're going right now. So you have to look around at teams that have the best opportunity to put him in there to put him on the field and have a heck of a season in order to prove it. It's a prove-it deal, right? Part of that is prove it. Part of that is making things work and having a season where you have 12 sacks and you can go back to either the team you're playing for, in Clowney's case it would be the Eagles or Griffin to a lesser extent, and say, okay, I proved it, now pay me. And the Eagles did exactly that with Alshon Jeffrey. It was before he got hurt and... Things clearly haven't worked out since the Super Bowl, but that was the deal that Jeffrey earned. And Griffin or Clowney, that's the path right now today. It's been that path for the past couple of weeks, but it becomes more and more a reality when you start looking around and asking, whoa, whoa, where are all these teams coming with all this big money and all I'll have is a one-year deal on the table? That's it? A one-year deal for $8 million? Come on, I'm better than that. You might be better than that, but it's not necessarily a lock that teams are going to go out and take a risk. I mean, you could go back in April and look at from NBC Sports Northwest the reason Everson Griffin hasn't been signed yet. That's mid-April. Three months away. And it's still a same situation. Seattle, right? Courting players. Philadelphia courting players. Dallas has tried to downplay, and whenever they downplay, I'm always thinking, "Mm, I don't know if I can necessarily believe that on the surface. Those guys are tricksters by nature. But it's a bunch of teams. It's not one team going back and forth arguing against each other. Browns have pulled out, and, and they've let everybody know that they're not interested in Everson Griffin. I imagine it's probably the other way around. My guess is that it's probably the other way around, where it's not just to Davion Clowney who wants to sign a deal in order to bring in a guy that can prove it on the open market and motivate himself to get paid down the line. Griffin will be 33 this year, assuming that we have the season start on time. 33 years old for Everson Griffin, man. You're going to sign a one-year prove-it deal, go out and beat your body up and everything? 
and then, what, at 34, get some huge lucrative deal? This is pretty much it for Griffin. And that's why he's had more problems, I would bet, finding multiple teams to leverage against each other than Clowney, let's say. Clowney might be able to work his way up to a $12 million one-year deal. Eagles cap space is real thin. We'll talk to John McMullen about that. 1240 Eastern time today. We bumped up J-Mac because of what's going on, the clowny Griffin rumors around the NFL. Big stuff. Once the season starts, we'll move and actually have John on Mondays anyway. I hope he's listening so he's thinking, wait, what? what? Nobody told me that. That's at least the plan of action. Something going on. Speaking of plan of action, something very important, a couple of key details regarding the NBA bubble. That we'll talk about 11.40 Eastern. But before that, he's back. The odds are up. And you can now bet for the first time Tiger to win a tournament. That next on the second level. You're listening to The Second Level, presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, with way more than the scores, here's Aton Shander. So Mo is going to join us from the jump.net coming up. And we'll talk about the bubble, heading into it, try to get some insight from a basketball perspective, but also what's weighing on a lot of players right now, and that's, of course, health. And staying healthy. And it's, I'm sure, something that Tiger Woods was weighing on back and forth. But the reality is the tour needs him. We all need him. And he's back. It's going to be the first time that you can take him in a tournament. He comes in right now at plus 2,500. I imagine that's going to drop. Right now he's tied with two guys who could actually win this thing easily. It's not like the Memorial is separate for one or two types of golfers or one or two names, and that's it. I mean, this thing is pretty much outside of where McElroy is placed. The, and Rom, I, I think, is a little too high as well. I'm okay with everybody's placing here to win this, according to DraftKings. Now, Woods at the bottom of the list, if you look at it from plus 2,500 in, Woods is tied with Matsuyama and Hovland. Young Hovland, the bomber. Hideki Matsuyama, the the seasoned veteran. And there's Woods making his season debut. The only golf that we got to see Tiger play was exceptional. Phil Mickelson had a good day at the match. He did. But there was just nothing he could do on 85% of the holes Because as good of a shot as Mickelson would hit, Tiger would put the ball a little closer. I mean, Tiger Woods was on fire during the match. There was no indication or anything that would point to him being hurt or playing through an enormous amount of pain. The way in which he was locked into the game, reading the greens, you could hear him talking to Peyton Manning. I mean, the, the way in which Woods was locked in, it was spilling over to where all he had to do was just prop up Peyton Manning and tell him how hard to hit it, and the ball went in. I mean, it was ridiculous. Now that he's back, this adds a sense of pressure to both Woods and everybody else around him. The one guy that I think would probably be oblivious to it right now would be Bryson, and he sits second off the favorite to win it at plus 1,000 
where Justin Thomas following his win last week, it's the same course, right? So, or sorry, not win, loss to Kala Morikawa in the playoff. You would think, though, that both JT and Morikawa would be pretty high. Morikawa's at plus 2,000. <laughs> that one Saturday nearly cost him everything. And look at that. The guy wins. He beats one of the top-ranked golfers in the world. Total redemption story after handing things over to Daniel Berger, the first opening round or first opening tournament. And now comes back, survives in the playoffs against Justin Thomas. Same course. And you would think, well, JT at plus 900. Okay, well, he's overall the better golfer, and that makes sense. Morikawa's down at plus 2,000. Rom and DJ are both at plus 18. Patrick Cantlay's at plus 16. And then the sucker bet of all is going to be McElroy. And he's going to suck you in, too. That's the worst part about it. He's not going to come out on Thursday and shoot a 75, but he's going to tease you a couple of days, probably make the cut. Watch. On Saturday, we're on 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern, so you have every opportunity to hit me up at Shander Show, twitch.tv slash Shander Show, 800-224-2004. Crush me all you want if I'm wrong on this, but I'm going to guarantee you he's going to do just enough to get by on Thursday and Friday, make the cut, and give you this false sense of hope, this false sense of security that that bet is going to hit. Man, McElroy at plus 1,200. He's 3-4 off the lead on Saturday. Well, come on. He goes in Saturday. Nothing happens. He either blows up or nothing happens. Shoots one under par, and it's just, it's just not enough. And Sunday, you realize, as you look at a round that is yet to be played, the mistake that you made diving into McElroy. How you don't take DeChambeau at this point is beyond me. You're getting value every time. This is to win. On Wednesday, we'll look a little deeper at some other bets and plays to make top 20 finishes. But Patrick Cantlay, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Colin Morikawa, Xander, Webb, Hovland, Matsuyama, Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, and Bryson at the top. This is the PGA season. Every single week, you may be able to swap out one name for another. But every single week, you're going to see these 12 guys. These names are going to be hovering atop leaderboards heading into tournaments so long as they're all playing. DeChambeau's not going to fall off the face. He finishes top 15 this week, which I think would be a lock for a top 20 finish for Bryson. But he finishes 18th, let's say, this week. He's not going to fall off as far as a predicted winner. For the following weeks, it's all about Tiger Woods because it's his debut. And we saw this guy play stellar golf during that one round at the match. The expectations are that he can come in and compete. I'm not touching him to win this event. At plus 2,500, the value is overflowing. I can't fault you for it. I can't come down on you for it. If you want to take the dude at plus 25 just because there's value, then I'd say sprinkle it. Really, split a C-note three ways, $33, and take all three guys at plus 2500 At some point, I mean, that's really the best approach here to this if you're going to look at a long shot. And there's no bigger long shot right now than plus 25 that I'd entertain. It's going to change live betting because somebody's going to shoot up on the leaderboard that we didn't know about. But this is way more about this group of 12 
that you pretty much should get used to over the rest of the season. Because a lot of these names are not moving. A lot of these names are not shifting around by any means. You're going to see the same right there group. So where Tiger is in this group is the most exciting part of this week. I just, I can't do plus 2,500. If I were, like I said, the goal here is to take advantage of three guys on the outside equally. Hovland is due. Poor kid. Finished third yesterday, but not because of anything else due to his own play. Matsuyama's another guy like McElroy I'd stay away from. Give me that false front, but... Dustin Johnson, Morikawa, Cantley, you've got a pretty deep field right now, and Tiger, of course, leading the way. Dealing with the root of the issues, it's the second level, presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So there's a lot about what to expect from the NBA bubble. Seeing players, as we know, say, not for me, pull out for different reasons. Anything is their own, and we respect that because there's nothing normal or consistent about the times that we're in right now. And also the carryover effect. Just trying to look at how teams are going to carry over either positive or negative stuff from when everything stopped. And we bring in Mo Dakhil at Mo Dakhil underscore NBA. The jumpball.net is the site. You can follow Mo's work on the Bleacher Report, the Athletic NBA as well. Mo, Aton Shander, always a pleasure. Thank you for being up bright and early for us. Hope you're well. I'm doing well, my man, as well as I can in these conditions. Uh, I hope the same is for you. Yeah, not bad. And, and one thing I've noticed is that uh, you, you've got a bunch of food tweets recently. Is is this what staying at home in quarantine has done, is bring out Chef Mo? I, I, don't, I wouldn't call myself a chef. That's kind of an insult to other chefs. It's just uh, somebody trying to make something edible. But, yeah, every now and then I get bored, I'll throw something together and uh, – you know, I figure why not share it with the people. Well, look, this is much better than the shots we got of the NBA bubble food for the first couple of days, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, listen, it's hard to take a look at how the food tastes just on a picture. I've had food that doesn't look appetizing and tastes great. So we, <laughs> we, we may not necessarily know what it, what it tasted like. Do you think this whole reaction was overblown mainly because of social media and, and how we are whenever we get a, a video or picture and it turns into a gif or a meme? Do you think it's overblown or do you think that players are legit upset or at the very least concerned about the conditions that they're dealing with in the bubble? I think the food stuff was overblown, really, because I think the, the quarantine food, you got to remember these people, these guys are being isolated for 48 hours because they had just flown in and the Disney staff has to pump out food for basically entire groups that just flew in. And there's a lot that goes with it. So I think the, that was overblown in the sense of, you know, that's, they're just putting stuff together right now. This isn't the normal food that's going to be available. And then we saw later, you know, that they're able to get food takeout from Morton's and things like that as well. And stuff. So it's, I think we just kind of tended to overreact. Now, the bubble itself, 
you know, we're in the early stages of it. So it's all new to the guys. It's all, this is the honeymoon stage, right? I want to know, you know, I, I wonder if they get bored mid-August, you know, <laughs> and run out of things. How many times can you go fishing, Aton? Like, yeah. besides Paul George, how many times is that novelty going to stay, you, you know, does that, wear, does that wear off at some point? So I think those are the things that are, that are going to be interesting and something to keep an eye on as this goes forward. Well, speaking of going fishing, not a good look for my guy here, Ben Simmons, in Philly. As I don't know what that was, but for a guy who refuses to shoot outside of the key, it looked like he couldn't shoot a fish into the ocean. Well, that's just unfortunately he's just giving us more memes. <laughs> Every time he takes a shot and he misses, we're going to end up putting that meme up. And sometimes it's just the <laughs> that way of uh, – the gods gifting us with with circumstances like that. I mean, what what a bad luck to get that caught on tape. I know, right? And all I can do is laugh at. I think everybody here in Philadelphia realized that this is a lose lose situation. You know, jumping up and yelling <laughs> and defending that video is not going to work on social media. You kind of just have to take the L, laugh at it, and move on. I don't think I've heard you laugh this hard on an interview before. <laughs> it's just so funny, man. I get it. It's just too funny. Well, let's start there. And the Sixers are a good representation. And there are other teams as well. So it's not just a Philly question. It's a cross-the-board question. But the Sixers clearly were Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, away and home. Any team that was struggling, let's just look at teams that are coming into this eight-game preview, if you will, of the playoffs with some issues that they had to work out. Does that override any of the positives that were working for a team just because there was this breakdown? Or are you looking at it maybe more so, Mo, saying any time off is time to heal and get better and guys are going to come in healthier, so we should expect more of the positive from a team before the break? I think it's tough, positive or negative. You know, when there's this long of a break, thinking like any team that was on a uh, a losing streak or anything like that's just going to continue on in that sense. Or anybody that was on a hot streak, you know, even just shooting, like anybody that was lighting it up from deep for like two weeks going into the suspension of play is just going to pick up where they left off. This is, and, and I hate to say it this way, but it's almost like a whole new season in the sense of there is no rhythm. Everybody's got to find their flow again. And now you got to adjust to no fans in the stands. You're, these guys are all playing in, a place they've never played before. And I think that's all challenging. So, you know, there is no sort of continuity. And I think that's going to be a key thing. And whatever team can find their flow and their rhythm the quickest and, and get going. So for the Sixers, you know, this is huge. Ben Simmons was hurt. It didn't even sound like he was going to be ready for the playoffs. Aton. Like yeah. it, it sounded like it was going to be a – at that point, everybody had written them off. And now – you know, he's coming back healthy. It looks like Embiid was struggling with a, I remember, like a hand injury, if I remember correctly. Yep. And now he's back and he looks healthy and things like that. So the time off has helped the Sixers in the sense of just getting healthy. Now, is that going to fix their shooting issues? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, you have those, those are the, the things that change. And, you know, them being together and in this tight quarantine, maybe they've bonded a little better and they've, they can find a better sense of chemistry. So, you know, it's definitely a, a good thing for the Sixers. Any team that was sort of riding low at that point uh, has a chance to sort of rebuild and pick back up. 
I'm curious your your thoughts on a team that might be able to take advantage of it being a restart and maybe not finishing before COVID hit, where they and, and clearly we expected a team like Houston, for example. Is there any advantage that you can see the Rockets knowing that they're not one of the heavy two favorites in the L.A. teams sneak in and take advantage of this time off? Well, I mean, they were they were one of those teams that were riding fumes. You know, playing right. small ball is exhausting. And you could see it in how they were playing. The guys were just – had nothing to do with desire or anything like that. They were just dead tired. You know, they just didn't have the legs. And I think this time off has given them that chance. And we've seen the transformations of James Harden – you know, losing a ton of weight. Same thing with Eric Gordon. Like, these guys are looking healthy and looking better. So I think, you know, there's there's an element of them getting rest and being able to recharge those batteries. It helps them, and it helps them a ton. And I think, you know, the the one thing I'd say that does hurt them, though, is, you know, I, I, I'm not a big believer in playing small ball full time, and I think that's going to be an issue going forward because still three months of basketball, they're going to run. They're going to get tired. You know, pretty maybe not as quickly as before, but I still think they'll get fatigued, and and those issues will come up. And then on top of it, just having the continuity of you know the reps of being able to play those games and get that experience and get used to one another. And you know, Robert Covington's only with the team you know for a month at that point, so you know there's still elements of learning each other and learning the game and things like that. So I think the they can. Sneak in, but I think some of it depends on where they match up, who they get in the first round, who they get in the second round. But for me, ultimately, at the end, I still just think it's going to be uh, Lakers-Clippers. Mo Dakiel joining us. It's going to be so hard to argue with that, especially on the other side with Milwaukee. And I would pose that same question, I guess, to the East. I don't know if you have enough confidence in Boston. Toronto was on a hell of a ride. I don't know how sustainable that is when you get down into a seven-game playoff series. And then you have Miami, which still has this balance, right, of the old Jimmy Butlers, some young kids there infused. And I I just think that ultimately we're going to be seeing, right, one of the two L.A. teams in Milwaukee. But is there any opening that one of those teams in the East could take outside of Philly, as we mentioned them earlier? Yeah, I think, you know, I would look at Toronto. Here, I'll I'll run it down for you on all those teams you listed real quickly. For me, I, I worry about Boston with Kemba Walker. You know, it doesn't sound like that knee's healthy, and that's after a couple months off. So that's a that's something that's a little bit concerning for me. And as great as Jason Tatum has been, they're going to need Kemba Walker in the playoffs. I think for Miami, listen, Miami's a great story, but that's a lot of young kids to count on, and it's tough to depend on them in the playoffs. Now, it's not a normal playoffs. It's not the crowds or anything like that, but still – the intensity level, I think, is going to be there at least by the second round. And, and that's where I get concerned with the young guys. And Toronto, that's the team I would keep an eye on just because I think, you know, they have that swagger. And it's one of those things where somebody else does it every night. You know, Pascal Siakam scores and, and things like that. But, you know, Aton picked their best defensive player. You know, they have five. Like, yeah. you can name five different yeah. guys, and you'd be like, yeah, no, he's their best. I mean, they just play such a great defense. My concern for them is their half-court offense. They're mostly a transition offense team. And 
I think, you know, when the playoffs slow down, it might become an issue. But I've read recently that Nick Nurse wants to get the ball into Mark Gasol's hands more and, and kind of let him facilitate, which I agree is a great great way to kind of open up that half-court offense. But we'll have to see how that comes to fruition. But it, ultimately, at the end, it's it's the Bucks to lose it, right? Like, it's this is their position. They should be able to get to the finals. If they don't, that's going to be the upset. So I'm curious. You used to have, back in the day, right, where a team would travel coming in. Maybe it's a playoff series. We saw this in the last dance, right, where you try to send someone or something to a hotel room, right, to kind of knock somebody <laughs> off their focus. Everybody's in the bubble right now. And it's, I know it's split up into tiers of hotels and all, but nobody can really leave. Is, what's any type of gamesmanship that you can do? I mean, are you just ordering up? as much Del Frisco's as you can for your opponent? Or are you trying to sneak a Tinder date in for your opponent? I mean, wh- where can you even go with that? I think this is where the snitch line comes into play. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I don't want to get you, I, you know, I don't want to put you out or anything like that. I'm just curious, you know, where where the level of gamesmanship would go in the bubble where you can't use the confines of your own home. You know, you come into Philly, I, I know how to derail your focus, Mo, in this city, right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think we saw too much of that in the playoffs. But I think you could have some fun pranks, you know, do a couple of wake up calls or something yes. and, and when you know somebody's room or or so on. You know, it's 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 those type of things. But I don't. I'll, ultimately, I don't think anybody's going to be doing anything because you're in a situation where if you do it to them, they can do it to you. <laughs> you're all in the bubble. You're all on the road. It's not an easy scenario in that situation. Do you look at and, and just? Anything else that we should be aware of as this thing begins and we're going to have basketball sooner than later, the end of this month here, is there anything left with the bubble outside of just contracting COVID that you think players are truly concerned about or or frustrated just trying to get the, the feel mentally of a basketball player who has decided to leave their family, their home, whatever situation they're leaving, and go play, especially as you look in the backdrop, Florida had its highest day of cases to date. Yeah, I think it's the mental aspect. I think there's, you know, we touched a little bit on just the entertainment and the boredom and things like that. I think it's it's being in the same place for three and a half months. It's, you know, this is, we're joking now calling it summer camp, but it's, you know, I've never been to a summer camp for three months. So, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough scenario in that sense. There's a lot of challenges in there, and I think it's going to challenge these guys on a mental level in the sense of, you know, just just how do you maintain? How do you keep going, stay motivated? You're going to be seeing the same place, same hotel room over and over again and everything, and it's, and it's tough. And I, that would be the biggest concern, I think, for, for the players. Because, can I just steal the show for one second? Go ahead. I want people to calm down a little bit when you see things like a practice has been canceled. Right. You know, like, you know, we, we saw this yesterday, three teams canceled practice, and I just saw people on Twitter kind of going off on, you know, what does this mean? What's this can't be good? Guys, teams are going to cancel practice all the time. You know, there, there's, there's this every day the schedule's lined up with practices. Some teams aren't going to practice every day. Some teams are going to want to give their guys rest. Some teams are going to ramp up differently than others and things like that. I think sometimes we're so quick to react to it. And I understand the situation, the news, everybody's 
tense right now. We know the backdrop in Florida. But just relax. Let the news come out. You know, if, right. if a team cancels practice, it's nothing more than a coach saying, hey, we're not practicing today. You know, the, the yep. Clippers were one of the teams that canceled practice. Half the team went fishing. Like, right. it, wasn't, it wasn't anything beyond that, you know. No, that it's necessary, Mo, and I'm, I'm thankful that you brought that up, please. Unfortunately, i got to cut it because we're late for this break. But thank you for saying that. I will do my best to reiterate that and credit you as always. Mo Dacchio, thank you, and be safe. You too. All right, Mo Dacchio at Mo Dacchio underscore NBA. We'll wrap the hour next. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level, presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. So we'll chat a little more in the second hour here with John McMullen, just under an hour from now, as the interest from both the Eagles and Jadavion Clowney seems to be growing significantly. We'll have all over this one here. Big day for the UFC Saturday night. Big weekend for golf, and it's only going to get bigger as Tiger is back. Jeff Shackelford is going to join us to start off the second hour. I'll tell you at 1225 Eastern why Dana White is ahead of the game, and not just combat sports, but everything. Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second-level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. you got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level. A Gal Media property in partnership with Jacob Media, where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. Tiger's back. What happened yesterday, really over the weekend, we'll talk about that with Jeff Shackelford, who knows the game in and out and has given us, actually, on the weekend edition of the second level, which you can hear 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday. A couple of hits, a couple of bets to play Saturday heading into Sunday, and even giving us an idea. This happened two weeks ago. We brought him back because he gave us three. I think he hit all three. And it's beyond just from a betting standpoint, just the magnitude of what's going on here with the PGA Tour. One person who has managed to upstage that, which I thought would be pretty difficult, but this fight island that went off on Saturday, thanks to Dana White, watching where the UFC is right now amidst all of the panic and concern of baseball, basketball, hockey up in Canada, the NFL – Another league, the Patriot League today in college sports, canceled fall sports. Doesn't mean they can't play fall in the winter, but they canceled activity in the fall. That's probably the best way to put it. Here comes Fight Island. Here comes Dana White putting together what would be equivalent to an all-star card. What he put together was equivalent of watching an all-star game. And a lot of it was circumventing the rules or just travel restrictions and ultimately fear or concern that a fighter will have to travel. Now, I'm not flying to the States. So you got to see a couple of fighters that you normally would not on a domestic card. Genius. 
it's also seeming to be pretty safe. It's also, according to what we've seen and heard from any type of reaction, this has been safe. Do you realize how difficult that's been to put together? He's also done it convincingly well here in the States. But now he's able to maneuver through restrictions and doubt and concerns of people traveling and get you the best of both worlds. International tickets, domestic tickets, it's insane. Hats off to Dana White. Tiger Woods and the PGA next with Jeff Jackson. This is SB Nation Radio. And SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Uh, we welcome you back. The weekend edition of the second level. We've got a lot to talk about as everything is all wrapped up nice and early for us to talk about as the Workday Charity Open has seen a, a lot of action. And maybe you didn't expect this coming in or at least through the weekend as we see Colin Morikawa get the better of Justin Thomas. But we go out to an expert, great voice and mind in the world of golf that we've had on and actually hit a couple of the bets that he gave us the last time, and that's Jeff Shackelford at Jeff Shack. That's G-E-O-F-S-H-A-C on Twitter, host of the Shack Show. That's on iHeart Podcast all over jeffshackelford.com. Aton Shander, Jeff, appreciate the time. How are you today? I'm doing great. Now, are we going to pretend that this is still going on for the people who are watching the tape delay? Or no, <laughs> just no. kidding. <laughs> we, if they didn't, if they chose to play real golf today, if they had honeydews, whatever, if they missed it, that's on them. Okay, all the tape delay stuff is out the window well, for the purposes of what we're doing. Yeah, it was a little bit of a hard work, though. Uh, I think there's going to be some soul searching after this. Trying to, at least for me, trying to trying to watch it and stream and and the whole thing. And it, it was a little weird, but. Uh, it's a complicated topic. <laughs> well, what what was it? Was it different as far as the presentation? You mentioned because of simply trying to get ahead of the weather. Yeah, so they moved up the tee times uh, because the forecast is terrible, and they usually have terrible weather uh, whenever they go to uh, Muirfield Village. You know, there's some some belief that it's built on an old burial ground, and um, so they are very cautious there. And it turned out the weather was nice, although there is some stuff coming. So they, I think, they still did the right thing. The, the the trick is though, as you as you can guess, is if you go on Twitter at all that, so they they move up the times. We try to watch it on streaming. Uh, they tease us with some live golf on the Golf Channel, and then it goes away. And you got to figure out where to watch it, and and it, and it's a bit of a mess. And right now with so little sports, it just makes people uh, annoyed. And then of course it just raises the uh, the topic again of of uh, is sports ready for streaming? Is streaming ready for sports? And 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 it's not. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it kind of reminded me, remember when the tournament stretched out, the college tournament stretched out to like true TV, and you'd have so many people just complaining, I don't even know where this is on my cable yeah. box. It, it, I'm surprised, to be honest, because as you mentioned, Jeff, there really wasn't anything else going on. I'm surprised that they bungled this this much. Well, this is what we've dealt with for a long time, where you have golf channels owned by Comcast, you have Viacom owned CBS, and CBS is the main broadcaster this week, and they want to show it on their network uh, in their window. And I, I understand they have other shows. The problem is when you tease everybody with this kind of uh, early bonus coverage on the Golf Channel, and then you have what is playing out as a really compelling tournament, 
Uh, and then you got to switch. And then I just, you know, I'm not a complete uh, tech idiot and, and trying to, uh, to deal with all of that and, and streaming and not really still being quite right. It, it was very infuriating uh, to try and watch what was a great tournament. So the people who were oblivious, they enjoyed a, a lovely tape delayed broadcast on CBS. It was a great show by CBS, but we definitely have some work to do on the golf front to, uh, to get all these corporations together and figure out uh, how to make this work better because, because streaming is still just not there for, for uh, sports as far as I'm concerned. I agree. And I think, and I appreciate you bringing that up because it's probably going to be an under discussed issue, but clearly it should be at the forefront of a lot of conversations moving forward. You should be able to follow this, even if it's streaming somewhere on a phone, computer, laptop, somewhere. You should be able to get live action well, as it's going. You could. You could. It just, it just uh, it didn't work very well. Well, <laughs> the, the tournament itself, though, outside of the streaming issues, let's fast forward to the playoff. I, yeah. And I saw you tweet this. It seemed as if, at least on the surface, unless you were laying in some heavy sarcasm, that you were okay and, and it, it made for a better playoff to run 18 two times in a row. Nope, heavy sarcasm. Okay, okay. <laughs> we have this Checking, thing, as Jeff. you know, in golf tournaments where they play the 18th hole over and over again in a playoff. And they do it for a simple reason. All the crowd and the corporate hospitality is gathered around the 18th hole. And, of course... Right now, there were about 50 people gathered around yep. the 18th hole. So my sarcasm was definitely uh, poking fun at the fact that, you know, here we have a tournament where there are no people. Um, we have a, a, a situation where this week they're playing Muirfield Village. Next week they're playing Muirfield Village. The Memorial Tournament, one of the great tournaments on the year, on the planet. And you would hope they're sort of protecting that event, and they did different things this week. And one of those different things that they could have done was just had a different approach to the playoff, and, and they did. They really played basically a memorial tournament minus uh, Jack Nicholas and the Gray Jackets and a couple other uh, things. And so that was a little disappointing. But, uh, uh, yeah, I hate when they just play the same hole over and over again. It just It's just hard to it, – it's just bizarre. That's all I can say. <laughs> did it have any impact, do you think, on how the playoff played out? Well, no, they got lucky. It was a great playoff. Uh, they both played the 18th hole beautifully, and then obviously they finally went to the 10th hole on the third hole. I hate to think where they were going next. They never mentioned, but uh, probably back and to then 18. Justin Thomas, probably down 18. I mean, <laughs> what's funny too is the, the golf course there has a lot of little options to play uh, holes pretty close to the clubhouse, the 15th and the 14th, anyway. But um, uh, it's one of those things where it's just you just kind of roll your eyes. But no, the playoff was great. Uh, uh, Justin Thomas, though, hit a bad tee shot on 10, got a horrible break, and, and that ended up the difference. But, uh, no, they, they – uh, I, I did not see the 50-foot putt that he drained on the second playoff hole for birdie because my stream uh, died and crashed uh, for about the third time. So, I'll see it on the highlights or on the replay. But uh, to make the putt he made on that second playoff hole from 50 feet is just uh, unbelievable. I mean, you can hear it in the announcers. It's pretty much a three-putt option uh likely uh and to do that to go ahead and make that on that green it's just a very steeply pitched green was just i'm sure it was incredible i just didn't see it <laughs> fair enough jeff what does it mean let's start with justin thomas first and we'll move to morikawa as he deserves all the accolades and credit here for winning this even in the playoff but justin thomas there was this belief that this was it and it didn't matter who was playing or not you win a golf tournament you win a golf tournament kind of that expectation 
of where I think a lot of us thought he would be and then slowly kind of not living up to those expectations. Is this back? Is Justin Thomas back? And and it's just a matter of circumstance that he doesn't win the playoff? Or do you think that this still prevents him from getting to that point, that, that level of golf that I think a lot of people thought he would be at? No, 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 no. He's still one of the very best players in the world, and uh, it was not an ideal uh, day for him, and he was pretty hard on himself in the comments after the round, but but really not a big deal. I guess it's the surprise is that uh, statistically he is kind of the unique golfer who, well, one, he's a young guy who's won a lot, uh, and we don't have a lot of people who win a lot. Things are so spread out now, and, and there's a lot of parity, and then uh, he's somebody who's done really well when he has a lead. And, and so here he, he kind of, uh, he coughed it up early. He got it back. I mean, it was a crazy bit of uh, circumstances and uh, credit to Colin Morikawa for, for turning it around today and playing beautifully out of the, out of the uh, gate. So it, it's not a big deal that he, he didn't win. Um, uh, I mean, he'll be mad and he'll probably come back and win the Memorial at the same course next week. But uh in the arc of his career, it's, this is going to happen when you're a when you're a top player when you put yourself into contention that often. We 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 get way too we give way too much credibility to the to the world rankings, and it's it's a it's a stupid bizarre game, <laughs> and 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 it, and it can strike and and make uh, the the greatest players in the world look foolish sometimes. Jeff Shackelford, truer words have never been spoken about this game, Jeff. At Jeff Shack on Twitter, the, the Shack Show across all iHeart podcast platforms as well. Now let's look at Colin Morikawa. I, I imagine the first thing that people will think of, rightfully so, this is redemption from the first tournament in which he basically handed it over to Daniel Berger. That's right, and he and he missed the short putt uh, that that some other people had missed that day. So again, Xander, not a right? not a uh, <laughs> one you yeah yeah you, you put down. He's not the greatest putter on the planet uh he's not a superb short uh putter statistically i mean he's fine for for a, an elite player but he's not uh it's not a strength and uh on the uh, on the uh uh first playoff no excuse me in regulation he had a, a par putt and it it almost did the same thing and had a power lip out but it didn't thankfully so for him to to come back this way and you know it's already if you go on uh, social or read some, some of the, the game stories. He obviously missed his first cut uh, and he's come right back and played beautifully. He's, he's just kind of a, an incredible young player in that he's so consistent. We've gotten to where now the players today are a little more aggressive. They're a little more hit and miss. They're more than fine missing cuts. They play a, a, a different kind of game that way. And so somebody comes along who's so steady and he's done this at every level, it's insane. He shoots 69 every day, basically, from junior golf uh, to college and amateur golf. And it's, it's, it's just not something we're seeing quite as much anymore to have that level of steadiness. So uh, to come out the way he did on the tour and now to be in the top 15 players in the world that I think I saw he may be projected to go to 13th. Now, again, there I go, the world rankings. But to be only out, out there a year, and to already ascend to that number tells you just, just how consistent he is. It's, that means he racks up the points, uh, the world ranking points every week. It's, it's really impressive. Was there a surprise maybe in the top five or, or top ten uh, for a tournament that didn't have Bryson and Tiger and Rory and some big names? It looks like some pretty big names finished kind of, you know, if you look in the top ten. Was there a surprise for you that maybe you didn't see coming 
back on Wednesday, or you thought, eh, give it a couple of days and this guy will fall off, and here he is, a top 10, maybe even a top 5 finish? Well, Victor Hovland was the other player in, in the mix, and he's uh, from the same class as, as Morikawa in terms of uh, finishing college and, and immensely talented. And, and he had some moments, um, and, and I don't even want to pick on him because he, he's, he played beautifully. He, he, like you say, there were some big names that, that were there who, who just kind of uh, had ho-hum weeks, and he, he gave himself a chance and finished the uh, third, I believe, by himself. And yeah. is still, I mean, there's nothing to complain about in the week. That said, um, you know, I, he's the one that people are more bullish on than somebody like Morikawa. So uh, it's fun to see these guys already out there doing what they're doing. Um, but they also do kind of make you wonder. You look at how they, they putt. Um, and and one, one way of looking at it is, well, they're, they're, they're not the greatest putters of all time. Um, is that a concern? I don't know. But then at the other, on the other end of the spectrum, they both just finished beautifully at Muirfield Village, which is one of the hardest places on the planet to putt. So um, I'm not sure uh, how you read these things because uh, it's, it's theoretically a place that's always been uh, very difficult to, uh, to putt the greens at. And, and both of them, they're playing, I believe, their first time. I know it was Marikawa's first time at Muirfield Village. I believe it was Hovland's as well. And that in itself is just amazing to come out there and, and play that well first time around the course. Jeff, I'm curious to get your thoughts on a guy in Gary Woodland. It's the opposite of Bryson, right? You have somebody who put on 40 pounds. Woodland must have lost at least 25, 30 pounds. Yeah. Top five finish, not necessarily dominant, but not necessarily terrible. And I'm talking about across the board, not just this tournament. What do you make of a guy like Gary Woodland to finish today and kind of where he's at right now this season? Uh, it's, it's, it's great news for him. Um, yeah, the weight gain, weight loss thing, he, it's funny. You know, we hear, you hear what a great athlete he is. And, and all last year, and when he won the U.S. Open, I'm watching, I'm going, <laughs> the people hearing that are going to wonder because he, he put on a little weight and he had a little bit of a gut. And in, this, in the downtime, he, he went back and he looks amazing. But as we know with golf, it, it, it sometimes is not great to have these big body changes either going the way Bryson's gone or the way David Duvall went a bunch of different directions for his career um, it generally has just not been a good thing so for Gary it's it's just incredible to have him finally showing some signs of life but we're, it's also kind of not incredible because every time we have these players it seems like now break through and win their first major they disappear for a year there's something about winning and it, and they just i don't know if they just get some sort of uh, uh relief and monkey off their back and then and then they kind of lose their edge um but we've had this a lot in golf in the last uh 10 12 years and so for him who's so talented in his prime and now coming up with a bunch of tournaments it's it's kind of good to have him back i mean he really enjoyed his u.s open win i'll i'll say i mean he really went around and and soaked it up and good for him but uh, it'd be nice to have him uh, contending a lot because he's a super guy. He's a lot of fun to watch, and uh, he's a, an incredible talent. And, and he's kind of fixed the, 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 the loopholes in his game, if you will. Jeff, are we – and I hope we're not. And that's why I ask and defer to you, somebody in this game, Jeff Shackelford, of course, at Jeff Shack on Twitter, G-E-O-F-S-H-A-C. Oh, is it going to just be reduced next week and moving forward to a Tiger versus Bryson? Because I feel like the sport has been on full display, 
and so many names that probably the average sports fan wasn't aware of. They've gotten a chance to see, and, and this has been a great month, six weeks or so for golf. It will depend on a few things. Obviously, who, who Tiger's paired with the first two days and kind of what we get there. Uh, there are a lot of people who just would love to see Brooks Kepka and Bryson paired together just because they, um, they aren't uh, exactly uh, tight. And Brooks has been kind of uh, pushing it with the social media posts, implying that uh, Bryson's got a little roid rage, which was really taking it uh, close, if not over over the top. But uh, Tiger will be the main focus because yeah, we haven't seen him since February, except for the match, and it's Muirfield Village where he's played so well. So he'll he'll be the main focus. But if they pair those guys, it'll add a little bit of intrigue. Uh, so I think that either way, what's been shown in this run is that yeah down the stretch we really miss the crowds you miss the 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 noise and the reaction and some of the roars through a course but that said for basically three and a half days golf can continue to function like it did before and i think that's great news for our sport bad news for the other sports because when you watch you know some of these highlights on the news of uh baseball uh scrimmages and you see no people you go oh boy this that's (laughs) i don't know if that's going to work but but golf um you really only miss the people all those last nine holes and and even then it's still like today's tournament pretty exciting if you have a tight leaderboard and and cbs has really done an amazing job uh they were a little rough the first week but they've done a great job since kind of telling the story and um, adjusting as announcers to how you deal with the broadcast without people. Awesome, Jeff. Thank you for the time. The insight as always, and an enjoyable look at the game. Appreciate you, Jeff. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Take care. You got it. Jeff Shackle for joining us at Jeff Shack, host of the Shack Show. We're back next here on the weekend edition of the Second Level. Kane is in the building. <laughs> Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level, presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Some smaller news going on in the NFL and some bigger theories we'll get to in eight minutes with John McMullen. It's such a big day in the NFL, we bumped him up. Now, Sean's in again for Ron, and, and you have a couple of stories, and we've kind of Altered, if you will, fake news. We don't have a ton of time, so take it away. Three stories that are all real, but you're banking on me not hearing them. Yep, so I'm going to get right into it. In Hamburg, Germany, prostitutes demonstrated in the red light district late on Saturday evening, demanding that German brothels be allowed to reopen after months of closure due to the coronavirus. Now, uh, in Germany, shops, restaurants, and bars are all open again. However, uh, brothels uh, still have not been given the green light, and sex workers say they're being singled out and deprived due to their uh, due to their line of work. Well, this is a very tough line to walk because they're right, and it's really painfully obvious when you're not in a union, you don't have a floor really to hold you up in situations where you're being done wrong, if you will. But at the same time, they happen to be the one industry that I think would be the most prevalent in 
spreading, even if it's asymptomatic. So I definitely missed that one Saturday night. Oh, you didn't? I would have been all over it, trust me, on, yeah. on the show. You're not plugged into the Hamburg uh Well, Hamburg no, just, just the fact that that would have been somewhere, I'm sure, viral on some site that I missed on prepping for the show Saturday. And trust me, that that's a whole segment I could have got at least out of that. All right, so... Uh... We're going to move on to Delaware, uh, close to where you're at right now, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, make sure I got my geography right. A, it's a little uh, south of me. You're right. Okay. Uh, so a uh, robber, potential robber, is looking to stick up a pizza shop in Delaware on Friday. Yes. And he got served yes. uh, a pizza I right to the face. This. And, and this is amazing. You're right. He stopped a robber with a pizza. Now, you have the details, right? Uh, I, I mean, that's really that's the pretty meat. much it. Like, yeah, that's you know, the. You get hit with a pizza; it's hot. It's going to burn you. And... Yep. The it was the uh, the man who got hit with the pizza fled the scene. Correct. Sto- uh, store owner advised that he didn't have any money and threw a pizza at him. Yes. I figure there's a good chance you would have heard about this one. Oh yeah, this this one actually made the local news. So. Absolutely. That's a great find by you. But, yes, it, it's de- mainly because it was somewhat local here. And I actually saw that on my Alexa, to be honest with you. I saw that on my little show here. It passed off where Robert, defe- or, you know, defeated by pizza. Mm. All right, one more. Okay, a McDonald's customer was arrested when he, uh, after he alleg- allegedly bit a seagull after it tried to steal his meal. The suspect reportedly attacked the bird in front of authorities, which is why he got arrested, I imagine. This happened in Plymouth, England, mm. uh, where it is apparently illegal to bite seagulls. I'm yeah, not sure I, the I... crime he committed. Is there some sort of animal cruelty? I mean, it seems pretty obvious that, you know, you shouldn't be abusing animals, but he's biting a seagull. Ah, see, I should have read uh, maybe three sentences into the article. The suspect was taken to custody since seagulls are a protected species in the area. Yeah, you have to bite like a cat, you know, you you can't (laughs) bite a seagull. Or stick with the McChicken. Well, that's true, too, right? Stick with the mix. I don't think seagulls will even eat that, right? <laughs> the pink slime? No, definitely not. That comes from a tube, right? Yeah. Nice, man. Now you're two for three. Not bad, man. Not bad at all. All right, John McMullen coming up next. I bet you McMullen are all three of those stories. Hi, this is Jay Farner, CEO of Rocket Mortgage. Making the right financial decisions has never been more important. We can help guide you to those right decisions now when they matter most. Mortgage rates are near historic lows, so when you call 8338-ROCKET or visit us at rocketmortgage.com to start your refinance, you'll be well on your way to saving money every month. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.375%, APR 3.59%. Right now could be a great time for you to take some positive financial steps forward with a cash-out refinance from Rocket Mortgage, which could give you the boost that you're looking for. In addition, we may be able to help you refinance with little or no out-of-pocket costs. At Rocket Mortgage, we're committed to every client, every time, no exceptions, no excuses, giving you the best mortgage experience. 
Call us today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn more. Rates subject to change. Pay 1.875% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. And MLS number 3030. So how many of us have lived in sweatpants, socks, and hoodies for the last couple of months? I don't think I even remember what a belt is. Luckily, there's sketches for your feet. So now they're all staying safe, but starting to get out a little bit for the summer, we can keep that same comfort no matter where we go. Just head to sketches.com and you can see all the ultra-comfortable options Sketches has to offer. There are comfortable sandals and shoes for running, relaxing, walking, playing golf, everything you love to do under the sun, out of the sun, in the rain, in the house, whatever. And so many are machine washable out of Skechers exclusive air-cooled memory foam. See them all right now at Skechers.com. At CDW, we get putting productivity within reach of remote employees. That's why I'm WFC, working from couch and moving everything within arm's length, like the microwave. Lunchtime. You should talk to the experts at CDW. They can orchestrate a more efficient workspace solution using light, powerful devices from Lenovo to keep your teams productive from anywhere, couch included. Yeah, but do they have grabber claws? Whoops. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Learn more at cdw.com slash Lenovo client. You're going on a trip, but where are you going to stay? How much will it cost? Well, it'll cost less by booking on BestHotelRates.com. BestHotelRates.com works with all the top hotels in the country while delivering you great hotel and room choices for the best prices. Why wait? Go to BestHotelRates.com, enter your email address, and start shopping for your next hotel room. BestHotelRates.com, it's in the name, BestHotelRates.com. My name is Megan Eddings, founder and CEO of Excel Lifestyle. Research shows that wearing a face mask drastically reduces the spread of the coronavirus. Excel Lifestyle's Prima antibacterial face masks are soft, washable, and double layer for added protection. To purchase you and your loved one's face mask, please go to ExcelLifestyle.com. That's A-C-C-E-L Lifestyle.com. Once we receive your order, we will ship your masks out immediately. Thank you and stay safe. Beneath the surface, it's the second level presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. There's so much going on in the NFL. I asked John McMullen if he could move up tonight. I didn't want to wait another day and miss out on the opportunity of the Philadelphia Eagles making a splash or the New York Giants making a splash. News with the Washington football team doing something that I thought was being asked 30, 40 years ago, but we're finally at that point. Now, with all of that said, as we bring in our NFL insider, courtesy of Jacob Media, that's John McMullen, at JF McMullen, also Philly Voice columnist, Eagles Maven on SI, I am betting that you've heard of the robber getting nabbed by the pizza story, as we just brought that up in the previous segment in Delaware, right? You're familiar with this local story here to us? I am familiar with it, unfortunately. I know. know. What do you mean, unfortunately? It's it's not... Yeah, Yeah, there's too many many crazy stories out there. But, you know, ever since we've done fake news, I, I try to... I try to keep myself more abreast so I don't embarrass myself on the segment. There you go. See, 
you come on and you give us insight and opinion on the league, and in turn, we've made you a sharper, I don't even know what you would call it, on scouring these websites for the most ridiculous, absurd stories. We've sharpened <laughs> your tools on that. It's a trade-off here, John. That's true. And then a social media world, there's a lot of goofy stories out there. So, uh, unfortunately, it's it's a it's a cesspool to try to keep up with. Okay. Well, on that note, one guy who we know is not part of the LCD bottom feeding elements of it, but is clearly a very successful NFL analyst, set the world on fire Sunday morning. And let's just fast forward to where we are now, because Baldy got everybody up and, and crazy thinking the Eagles are going to do this or that. Are the Philadelphia Eagles going to sign either Jadavion Clowney or Everson Griffin? Uh, I, I think there's a possibility. I think more uh, Jadavion Clowney than anything else. I mean, this is kind of what Howie Roseman always does and why these rumors always start. Uh, because he checks in. And then all of a sudden you say, if, if you go back to the beginning of free agency, Aton, you know, Jadavian was looking for $20 million a year. So why does Howie bother? Uh, this is the reason he bothers. Because, A, that market wasn't out there. And then uh, Clowney himself had significant offers from Cleveland and Miami. He doesn't want to play on bad teams. And you could argue maybe the Browns, uh, would be in position to at least do some good things. But uh, we know the history of that organization, players even more so. They're not uh, in tune to the day-to-day um, additions, subtractions, what's going on with the new coach and Kevin Stefanski and all that. They just say the Browns, I don't want to play for the Browns. And the Dolphins are in that same category as well in a rebuilding phase. So all of a sudden, $20 million a year comes down to $9 million a year. Uh, and then $8 million a year. And then a one-year prove-a-deal, and you say, we can get a really, really talented player, and bang. That's how this kind of thing happens. And that's where Clowney seems to be headed, and that's why you put the two and two together with the Eagles. Everson Griffin, you know, Everson Griffin's a better player than Davian Clowney. That, that guy has proven year after year after year had a, a strange hiccup bit of a mental breakdown. I mean, there's some issues from that standpoint a couple years ago. But the bigger issue with him is he's 33 years old. And everything the Eagles have said consistently throughout this offseason, they want to get younger, they want to go in a different direction. Part of that is because Carson Wentz's contract is kicking in, so you want to get more cost-effective rookie deals to build the roster. So I don't think he makes as much sense. But Clowney on a one-year deal, as I said, one year prove a deal. He wants to play for a team that has a chance to win. That makes a lot of sense. We were talking about, and I don't know how strong if it lines up every single detail, but it seemed similar, knowing, of course, that times were different to what happened with Alshon Jeffrey. And he finally realized. Exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. So, and that was the point that I was raising earlier in the first hour. And I wonder. If this is going to be a similar situation, because one thing Alshon was able to do and credit how he saw this is once he realized he was in the corner, he went with the Eagles and Wentz because it gave him a great opportunity to showcase with a solid quarterback. Is Jadavion Clowney going to be out there enough and have an opportunity to do the same in his position if, in fact, he signs this one-year prove-it deal with Philly? 
Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, if you bring him in here, um, you, that's arguably the most talented defensive line in football. When you combine with Fletcher Cox, remember they signed Javon Hargrave. So now they have that interior presence to go along with Fletcher. Brandon Graham is still playing at a very high level. So the odd man out would be Derek Barnett. Um, but he would be a, a really, really solid third rotational player on the edge. Uh, and then inside, you have Malik Jackson. I mean, it, it doesn't get much better than that from a talent standpoint. So, you know, you saw what Nick Bosa did for the San Francisco 49ers. They had all this talent, all these first-round picks, and they were good players. But then Nick comes in and, bang, he just opens everything up because – he had so much attention. Everybody else looked so much better. The Washington Redskins seem to be not the Redskins. Um, they think the same thing's going to happen with Chase Young this year. They have all their first-round picks. And I could see it with Clowney in a different way. But he would open up uh, even more and vice versa. I mean, as I said, Graham and, Cl- and Cox and Hargrave are really good players. So it's not like you cannot pay attention to them to deal with clowning. So everybody helps everybody in that situation. All right. Outside of those two, is there any other realistic scenario that would hold up to Brian Baldinger's tweet about the Eagles about to get significantly better in mid-July? I know Jamal Adams seems like a pipe dream. Is there anything else that they could do via trade? Yeah, I, I mean, trade, you look at Jacksonville yes. and you look at two two players, Yannick and Dockway, similar, would have a similar presence to what Clowney would provide as that edge rusher. So you have that same, some of the same football perspective. The problem with that is, though, you have to send significant assets back to Jacksonville and pay in Dockway a ton of money. The reason Clowney's on, on the radar is because, you know, any longer have to pay a ton of money and maybe on a lesser degree the offensive side of the ball and he's been on social media as well as Leonard Fournette uh, because the Eagles want a running back uh, to compliment Miles Sanders they want that thunder for his lightning and Fournette would fit that mold Uh, not sure but you know it's a big name so that would fit Baldy's description as well even though I, I don't think it, I, I don't think the fan base should be that excited about that, but right. you know how fans get about big names. Well, it's also in the middle of the summer that has COVID and, and all these other. I think they'll take anything. They they were all over Tiger King, so I think they'll be all over this if, <laughs> if necessary. Now, before we get to what's happening in Washington D.C., I am curious as things seem to be progressing rapidly in college sports as we see another league shutting down, and these are all temporary, meaning at the very least there's going to be no fall activity, but that doesn't mean that they can't pick up and play in in January. And this fuels the point that you were making last week about the NFL just pushing everything back on the calendar. Do you think that enough pressure, and maybe not even from above, but from below, if that makes sense, with college football canceling leagues, that that could at the very least be enough for the NFL to push their calendar back? 
Uh, I, I don't think so, only because, and, and I say it all the, the time, the NFL doesn't have to worry about other people. Other people sort of have to fit around their schedule. I, I mean, whenever they decide to go, um, they're going to have the best windows. They're going to have TV uh, doing whatever uh, is necessary uh, to get uh, the primetime windows uh, uh, for the NFL. So uh, everybody else has got to kind of work around their decision-making. I, I think the biggest problem for the NFL is uh, player, and I, I think I mentioned this last week on the show, it's player education. Nate Solder's another one who came out late last week and said, you know, we might not play football uh, if, if the owners can't guarantee our safety. Uh, we're not going to play football. So you have a lot of, of players questioning what's going on, and that's a two-pronged thing between not only the league but also the Players Association. It's a lot of guys in the dark, man, and it's, it's strange. I mean, July 28th, I think what's becoming increasingly clear is Training camp's probably not going to open on July 28th. Right. Can't say that definitively, but right. um, that seems like it's going to get pushed back, and you're going to have this big ramp up period anyway. And, hey, I, I said save the audio. Early November, man, you're going to be able to go full bore, and I still stand by that prediction. John, I'm trying to think here. As it looks like it's a full go that Washington will have a new NFL name for their team, and it's been wrapped up in the trademark. And from what my understanding is, and you can fill in the blanks here, is that some individual in the greater <laughs> D.C., Virginia area, McLean, I think, Virginia, bought up every single possible opportunity or, or possibility of a name that they could change to, and the team has been in a trademark war with this guy now trying to buy names, correct? Yes, exactly. You got to give the guy credit. Uh, I mean, absolutely. This is like buying websites. Remember when yeah. websites and and you bought uh, up, course. you know, ESPN.com, yeah. and they were like, "Wait a second, we need that." Yeah, exactly. And they're willing to pay for it. Yes. And you know, it's interesting because I said when it became came very clear that the Redskins were going to change their name, a lot of people were saying, "Well, this is going to take a long time." And I said, "Nope, it's going to happen for this season if we have this season." Uh, because they've been, they've had, I mean, they knew this was coming. They've had plan Bs and plan Cs. This has been a controversy for years and years and years. So it's not like they woke up one day and said, oh, we're going to have to think about this. Uh, they already had stuff in the holster. But, you know, then you point to the, to the other side of that coin and say, well, yeah, you had your plans ready to go, but you didn't have enough foresight to, to get the trademark. So that is one thing where you kind of shake your head. But I, I do think it's not a surprise considering how the Redskins have been run over the years. Do you think that this is going to be on one of the all-time levels of tone deafness when Daniel Snyder comes out and demands praise and credit for this move? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know if he's I mean, going to demand It's going to be presidential level of tone deafness, John. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's pot. I mean, the guy is what he is as an owner. I mean, right. and forget about. Uh, I mean, forget about the tone deafness over the nickname and about reading the room and where we are as a society. I mean, just from a football standpoint. I mean, this has been, if not the worst owner 
uh, in the NFL, certainly bottom five, just from running the team from a football perspective. So uh, nothing surprises me uh, with Daniel Snyder. But, you know, the one thing he has, he, he has scaled it back from a, a, a public uh, uh, standpoint over the past number of years. He doesn't talk that much generally any longer. And I think that's a good one. Okay, so well hopefully then... he'll stick with that. Last one for you. We've got about 60, 70 seconds. You are in dire need of help from an owner, and there can only be two options, James Dolan or Daniel Snyder. Who are you going to? Oh, wow, that is that is tough. I, I, I would think James Dolan is the worst owner in professional sports. So it, it's faint praise, but I would take Daniel Snyder uh, over James Dolan. Fair enough. I said to, to, to go so many years with the New York Knicks and Madison yes. Square Garden and not being able to get anyone to come in there. It is astonishing. Shame. It is unbelievable how, how bad that is. And every year that fan base is to, on to the next free agent. It was LeBron that started. Now it's Giannis. Giannis everybody who's ever the next big – we're going to get him. No, you're not. Uh, I love it. See, either way, we're going to take a shot at either the new team, whatever they are, the old skins or the Knicks. So either way, everybody is it, – it's a win-win. Thanks, John. We'll talk on Thursday. All right. Thanks, Aitan. You got it. At JF McMullen on Twitter. We'll wrap next. Dealing with the root of the issues, it's the second level. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. That story going on right now down in D.C. actually is hilarious. And if you remember, this is what happened when websites were first open. It was the Wild West. And you had a bunch of smart people with some incredible foresight that would buy up websites that you know a major corporation or company or person, if that, whoever it is, you could buy LennyDykstra.com, whoever, whatever it may be. I don't care. Somebody's going to want that, especially if they're famous or if they have a major brand. And I'm sure this is far from the only example in which we've seen somebody say eh, to themselves, I can make a lot of money here. And that person right now is going to walk away with, I'm sure, six figures at least. And there won't be any vilification. Nobody's going to come down on this person because they took advantage of a team that's had this nickname forever and is changing it as a result of corporate pressure that, make no mistake, should have come years ago. Corporations like to get in the middle and say, look, look, we're doing stuff, we're doing stuff. Don't worry about what we did the last 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Don't worry about that stuff. Just focus on what we did today, which is put pressure on the now new NFL team in D.C. Thank <laughs> you.